excited to be here with you today, whether you're here in the room or you're joining us online. Well, it's January, which means it's the time of year that people resolve to be different, right? New Year's resolutions abound to lose weight, to drink less, to exercise more, to invest in relationships, get out of debt. Maybe some of you are trying to faithfully read your Bible. Or I've also noticed that a lot of my friends are doing like the word of the year. Has anyone ever done like a word for the year? I have. Okay, oh good, you're alive. Okay, I saw some hands. Yeah, so whether it is a resolution or a word, this is a time of year where people feel hopeful for change and growth. Unfortunately, the bad news is that research shows us that by mid-February, 80% of New Year's resolutions will have failed. Wah, wah. And the truth is, it's really hard to keep a word in front of yourself for the entire year. I have failed at both resolutions and doing that. You know, we start off so strong, and then we find that change is actually really hard. We're inconsistent. We're half-hearted. You know, we, we want our body to be in better shape. We want to feel better. But why is it so easy to get fast food and to skip the workout? You know, we say we want to invest in relationships and experience transformation, and yet committing to go to small group week in and week out, that is a big deal. You know, we, we, maybe we want to cut down on our social media consumption, but somehow they, like, understand how our finger, like, wants to continue to scroll for hours. We are often inconsistent. We're often half-hearted. And honestly, it's not just when it comes to resolutions. This is actually a pattern of behavior in many of our lives. There's a lot of inconsistency. And often, this inconsistency leads us to instability. Now, some of this is because of our own choices, and some of this is because of the circumstances in the world. In fact, the world has been so chaotic, so full of trouble. I would say that, say that instability has been one of the few consistent things over the last couple of years. And so we're kind of trapped in this cycle of the world being filled with chaos and instability and our own inconsistency, which is feeding that instability. We're inconsistent. You know, have you ever been frustrated with yourself, with your own inconsistent behavior? You know, we say we want to do something. We even intend to do it, and yet we do something else. Well, interestingly, the book of James actually talks about this disparity. And James is speaking right here in the first chapter to a group of believers. He's speaking to Christians, and he's saying to them, listen, if you go to God and ask for wisdom, and you're half-hearted, you have a divided heart, this is what's gonna happen. James 1.8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Other translations say that we're double-minded, that we're you know, filled with hypocrisy. See, our inconsistency is actually feeding our instability. These two things, they're connected to one, another, to one another. We're vacillating between saying that we want something and then not doing it. Let me give you an example from my own life. So we have four kids, and our oldest is a teenager now. And I've talked to lots of older parents who tell me, like, to cherish this time, right? To enjoy this time. And I do intend that. But the truth is, after a long day of work and dinner and other things I have to do, it's just frankly easier to let them grab their phone or the TV and zone out instead of connect with them. You see I, 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 you see, I say like, I want to connect, I want to treasure this time, and yet my actions don't match this. And so I want you to think about your own life for a moment. Where is their inconsistency? Where is their half-heartedness? At, at first glance, you might say, well, I, I don't know. 
Well, here's another way of looking at it. Where is there apathy in your life? Where is there a lack of enthusiasm? Where is there fatigue? Because these are going to be signs to us that these are areas where we're half-hearted, where, where we are lacking something. And this is where Holy Spirit actually really wants to help us today. Is it in your relationships? Is it in your finances? Is it in your faith? Again, some of this could be fueled by your own choices, and some of this is fueled by the circumstances that are in our world. We're in a perfect storm right now. Chaos in the world and instability in our own inconsistency, which leads us to half-heartedness. You know, so this begs me to ask the question, you know, do we just need, like, more discipline? Like, are we lazy? Is that the issue? Like, is there some tip or trick that we could do that would actually get us into a place uh, of not being inconsistent? And the good news today is there is no trick or, or tip, but there is a truth, and it's this. When you say yes to Jesus, you are given a brand new heart. You are given a new identity, and you are learning to live in the reality of being a new creation. The Holy Spirit has come to live inside you, and now you are learning to live in a different way, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and his way is a full way, a stable way, a whole way, and we're gonna explore that during this new series, which I'm excited to launch today. We've entitled it Wholehearted, and I love this word. The more that I use this word and I study this word, I loved it. Wholehearted means this, sincerely devoted, enthusiastic, determined, and this is what I believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting each and every one of us into in 2022. We wanna be wholehearted disciples of Jesus where we live consistent and stable lives, despite the circumstances in the world, despite our own poor choices, or the trouble and craziness that life brings. And so that's why we're gonna root this entire series in the book of James, because James is filled with life-changing application that's gonna help us embrace wholehearted devotion, wholehearted living in 2022. You see, God's design is that we would live in wholeness. And he wants to take us on this journey this year. So I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome today to be the teacher. Give us ears to hear, Father. We welcome you now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I wanna start off by talking just a little bit about the book of James because we're gonna root this entire six-week series in this book. And I think it's helpful. So James is believed to have been written by James, Jesus' half-brother. Now, I thought this was interesting. You know, obviously, James and Jesus grew up in the same house, and James would have seen Jesus' miracles. He would have known him intimately and personally. And yet, most scholars believe that James did not believe in Jesus until Jesus' death and resurrection. And I think it's just an interesting note. You know, all of us were on a journey. And no matter where you're at in your journey with Jesus, you are welcome here. You're welcome to explore so James would go on to become a powerful church leader in Jerusalem, where he was an apostle, and he was both a pillar and a peacemaker in that church, and he lived a life of devotion to Jesus. Now, he was deeply impacted by Jesus' teachings, and he was also deeply impacted by the book of Proverbs. So actually, we could look at the book of James as kind of like a New Testament Proverbs, and it's filled with short, challenging, punchy teachings. It's only five chapters, and so this week, we wanna encourage you to read the entire book of James. 
You won't be disappointed. It's filled with lots of good stuff. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about some of the issues that James brings up, like how Christians need to tame their tongue. I will be listening to that message. It's in a couple of weeks. Or how we can live in generosity. Or what does God think about favoritism and relationships? And so we're going to go on this journey. But there's one word that James uses throughout the letter that I think it's important that we understand the meaning. And that is the word perfect. James loves this word. He actually uses it seven times in this letter. And, you know, when I think of the word perfect, I think of, like, everything just right. Nothing out of order, no messes, no mistakes, everything just so, no blemishes. That's what I think of when I think of the word perfect. But that is not actually the way that James is using the word perfect here. The word that he's using for perfect actually means something different. It's beautiful. It means wholeness. It means an integrated life where our actions and our beliefs and what we actually do match the values and beliefs of Jesus. You see, this is actually James' goal for us, that we would become perfect. Now, that doesn't mean, again, without messes or without, you know, problems. What that means is actually that we would live an integrated and whole life. And so this is a lot of what his book is about, wholeheartedness. You know, I think if we're honest... And this is hard. Many of us live really fractured and broken lives with big inconsistencies. You know, we, we say we believe, but we're filled with unbelief. We're, we're filled with weariness. You know, we, we say we want something, and yet our actions don't match our words. We're, we're actually so frustrated in our faith. And this is leading us to live very half-heartedly. You know, often the way that this plays out in our lives is we compartmentalize our lives. You know, this little part here and this little part here and go to church on Sunday and, okay, check that off. Now I'm a good person. No, 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 no. Jesus this year, he is inviting us to a wholeness that is gonna bring so much freedom into your life, so much joy into your life, so much stability. Are you tired of inconsistent living? Are you tired of half-heartedness? The good news is this, God is on a mission to make you whole, and it starts first with his wisdom. And so today, I'm going to be in chapter one, and so you can go ahead and go there if you want to. Um, that's where we're going to start this journey together. We want to be wholehearted, devotional disciples of Jesus. But I like to start with, okay, well then what's a problem that we face in this journey of wholehearted devotion to Jesus? And the problem I want to talk about today is the problem of trouble. Life is hard. Now, I know that was just an earth-shaking statement, so just, I'll give you a moment. Life is hard. How many of you remember when we were kids, and we would say, I can't wait till I grow up. When I grow up, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And now, you know, that just did not play out kind of the way I thought it was going to play out. Okay, so trouble is everywhere. We all face trouble, right? And the, the reality is that most of us, um, as we face this trouble, um, we're going to wrestle in this whole area of wholehearted devotion. So right now, I want you to think about some trouble in your life, okay? It could be financial. You could be going through a divorce. You could hate your job. And my hunch is that actually this trouble in your life is actually hurting your pursuit of wholehearted devotion. It's, it's muddying the waters, and, and this is because the way we process trouble in our life can either lead us toward inconsistency 
or lead us towards wholehearted devotion. And so I want to take us on a little flow chart that I put together. And this is some from my own experience. This is some, you know, just as I've observed um, how trouble works its way through our life. Okay, so trouble comes. Ugh, no one likes trouble. But some, there's some trouble in our life. And what I find is that often trouble leads us to the emotion of anger. Now, for some reason, I definitely do see the, the little guy from Inside Out, the angry guy. You know, we get angry, right? Okay, so you have trouble. You get angry. What? Why? I can't believe this is happening to me. This is so unfair. And what happens is that anger goes to doubt. Where's God? He's not working on my timeline. And doubt leads us to fatigue. How many of us, I, I, I have been fatigued. I have been weary. Like, Lord, this is hard. This feels like it's not going to end. So this leads to fatigue. And where does fatigue lead us? Fatigue leads us to inconsistency. Well, what's even the point? Life is hard. It's never going to get easier. It's always going to be like this. And we become half-hearted, and we live in this place of having a divided heart. Okay, so this is the problem. And this is, it's important to actually think through this because the question we want to ask is, how do we live in wholehearted devotion in the midst of trouble? I'm so glad you asked. You didn't have a choice, but I'm so glad you did ask. Okay, James 1, verse 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then we'll stop and talk about it. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, I love how this kind of does read like a New Testament Proverbs. It's short, it's punchy. Let's unpack it a little bit. Okay, so he starts off by saying, when trouble comes your way, not if. Is anyone else surprised by trouble in their life? Or is it just me? Like, I will go into it, I'm like, this is going to be a good week, and then boom. And I'm like, God, I thought this was going to be a good week. Trouble is always there. Trouble is a normal part of life. And, and the thing with trouble is it comes in different sizes and shapes and intervals. And what is so tempting is that we look at one another's trouble and we compare it to our own trouble. And I just want to encourage you not to do that. It is a waste of your precious time. Trouble is a normal part of every person's life. And we do not believe that this trouble is from God. We believe this trouble is from the enemy. We believe there's two kingdoms at play, the kingdom of darkness, which wreaks havoc in our lives, and the kingdom of God, which brings wholeness and health into our lives. But there is a battle that's going on. Okay, and so what happens is when this trouble comes into our life, remember, we have this opportunity And James is going to challenge us to have a different perspective. So he says this, instead of meeting your trouble like the world does, like people who aren't new creations, like people who have not been given a new heart, you are actually going to greet your trouble with joy. You're going to see it as an invaluable opportunity for joy. Hmm. Not the most encouraging news I've heard today. You know, for years, my name has been Joyful Julie, and I am by nature a joyful person and a positive person, but I will just tell you that this is not easy for anyone to see trouble 
as an opportunity for great joy. And wouldn't you know, the Lord wanted to test me this week and put this message to the test. And I really wanna tell you the problem I had so that you can be on my side and not the other person's side. But I felt like that wouldn't be 100% fair because they couldn't defend themselves. But let me just say that this week, trouble came into my life and this was put to the test. I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, you tell me to meet every challenge with joy, and so you're gonna have to help me. Which is really important because I think sometimes when we read a text like this, we think to ourselves, so I'm supposed to be happy when trouble comes my way? No, you're not supposed to be happy. That's not what the text said. The text said, greet it with joy. You see, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's harvested with Holy Spirit. And so what you're gonna do is you're gonna say, okay, Holy Spirit, you live inside me, I cannot, but you can. And you know what I have to do sometimes? I just have to kind of sit and wait. And what I sense joy in my life, you know, joy is not always this like exuberant, like, oh, so happy. You know what joy often manifests in my life? Peace. And so I sit in this place and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you live in me. You're going to help me harvest this joy in this moment because I don't feel it. I'm mad. I'm angry. All the people would agree with me, even though I can't tell you the details but I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna wait for your peace to fill my heart. Okay, why can we have joy? We can have joy because we know, what did, the, what did the text tell us? For we know that when faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Okay, so you're actually filled with joy because this is the way that our Father intends for us to grow. Now, Interesting little side note here. Did you notice that James did not say that faith is made through trials? He said faith is tested through trials. It's tested through trials. Faith is not made through trials. You don't need trouble in your life so that you can have faith in your life. Faith in your life actually comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Jesus. This is what Romans 10, 17 tells us. And this is actually, I want to encourage you, if you've never read your Bible out loud to yourself, read your Bible out loud to yourself. This is actually why you come and hear the words spoken to you. This is why you sing out songs that are actually scripture. Because as you hear the good news about Jesus, faith comes into your heart. So our faith is not made through trials. Our faith is tested through trials. Our faith is proven. It's strengthened. It grows through trials. Because we know that endurance actually makes things grow. Like this is a principle in all of life. Think about like if you want to build muscle. I mean, I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't. But those who do want to grow their muscles, they need to actually break down those muscle fibers so they can grow back stronger. This is a principle of life. You see, resistance can actually make us resilient. I, I don't even like that. I, I wish this was a different message. But this is actually the journey that Jesus takes us on when we become new creations. That as we face trouble, if we want to live in wholehearted devotion to him, that when we have trouble, we, we face it with joy. Why? So that our faith can grow. Why? Because in that faith growing, we develop endurance. And what did James say the point of this whole journey was? So that we would actually, I'm going to read it, be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now again, this doesn't mean without problems. This word perfect means whole. It means living a life of integrity. It means getting rid of the inconsistency in our lives. 
where we're not thrown about to and fro, that we find stability in the midst of trouble. You know, I think that sometimes we think to ourselves, I wish there was a magic way to get trouble to go away in our lives. The goal is not no trouble. The goal is wholeness in the midst of trouble. That's our goal. We want to be wholehearted disciples of Jesus in the midst of every trial and trouble. So let's go back to that flow chart. Okay, so whereas before the trouble took us to anger, took us to doubt, took us to fatigue, and took us to inconsistency, the way of the new creation, the way of the person who's been given a new identity with the Holy Spirit living inside them, they get to do it a different way. When they face trouble, they meet it with joy. And this joy is then feeding our faith. And this faith leads us into a place of endurance. And this endurance is not just for endurance sake. No, it is actually so that we become a wholehearted disciple of Jesus. We have been given a brand new identity and the invitation to us is to go this journey with Jesus, to follow his instructions. You know, trouble, it wants to trip us up, but the Holy Spirit wants to show us the way forward. Endurance is actually at the center, at the core of wholeheartedness. The goal is that when we get done with this time on earth, that we hear from the Father, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to be wholehearted disciples who do it for the long haul, who are not thrown about by the chaos of the world or frankly our own poor choices, because let's just admit it, we have added to this equation. Okay. Thankfully, it doesn't stop there. So often, we read a passage, and I do this, like we read a passage, we think, oh, that's good, that's good. But then we don't really realize that we're supposed to keep reading, okay? Because the next three verses are connected to that first passage. Because what can happen is, okay, so like, okay, she tells me this little step, and man, then it really just turns into like works and willpower and how am I feeling today? Well, I've got good news for you. Because Jesus actually, Well, yeah, Jesus, ultimately, he has further instructions for us. Okay, so this is verse five. Let's say you're in a problem. This is what you're gonna do. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Okay, so what's God, what's James trying to say right here? Okay, James is saying, troubles and trials are going to require us to go to God and to ask God for his wisdom. And God's not going to be mad that we ask him, okay? He's actually going to show us how good and generous he is. Okay, ready for a little bit of hard truth? The truth is that when we are in trouble and trials, we go to Google before we go to God. We do. We do. And, And actually, let me encourage you. The reason that you're going to Google is because you're confused about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You see, knowledge is raw information. It's facts. And you're trying to get some facts. What's going on? How am I going to get this better? But wisdom is the ability to put it together. It's the ability to actually take that knowledge and put it into use. And so it's not wrong to Google. 
I Google stuff all the time. But what Jesus is actually saying to us is go to God first. The God of wisdom, he longs to answer your questions. You know, okay, I'm just on like the very beginning. I just had this thought this morning and I have to share it because it just, I've been noodling on it. Okay, so when you become a parent and then like, you know, your kids are constantly asking you questions. Okay, how many of you had like a toddler preschooler? Okay, so a few of you. Okay, when they're little, guys, it's just like, why, 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 why? I mean, a lot of whys. And you're like, stop asking questions. And I think that might be one of the most tragic thing that's, things that happen to us because we stop asking questions. Because now as a, you know, a parent of a teen, when he asks me a serious question, my heart bursts that we get to have this conversation. And I can only imagine that I feel that way because that's how my, my father in heaven feels about me when I ask him questions. When I say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but you do. And I position myself to hear from him. I open his word. I, 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 I spend time with other believers. I say, Jesus, you speak to me. You give me the wisdom. And when we go to him, we go to him in faith. We don't go to him in doubt. Because that imagery there, you know, we, I think the doubt is actually connected to, can God help me? And does God want to help me? The answer to both is yes. We go to him in faith and we say, okay, God, this is what your word says. And I want to, I want to follow what your wisdom is. I can look up all the knowledge, but I want your wisdom. Because if not, we will live half-heartedly. We will live with a divided heart. We will live tossed to and fro. Are you tired of waking up not knowing if you're going to have a good day? I'm tired of it. I want this truth to penetrate my heart that I have been given a new heart, that actually I was created for wholeness and God is on a mission to make me whole. And any area of my life that is pulling me away from that, any area of trouble that's pulling me away from devotion, God wants to show me a way through. And that is the power of James here in this passage. God is calling us to wholehearted devotion. Here's our instructions. Embrace trials with joy. Allow our endurance to grow and ask him for wisdom. These are the first steps of living in wholehearted devotion to God. See, God, he's on this mission to make us whole. And it, it's actually not just for your benefit. I'm so glad it benefits you. But it's actually for so much more than that. It's for your family. It's for your workplace. It's for your school. It's for the world. Because you see, what God does is he actually intertwines our destinies so that your purpose and my purpose, it, it collides with one another. And God's picture and God's heart is that we would live in wholehearted devotion with him and one another. Well, I want to end today by telling you the story of a special person in my life. You know, I'm always inspired by story because I love to see how this really plays out in the long haul. And I just have to say, we really value older men and women who have lived lives of devotion to Jesus over many seasons and many trials. Because, you know, it's one thing to kind of live for a season with trials or, or go through something hard, but it's another to go a lifetime. And that's the goal. The, the goal is actually lifelong, wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And so today I want to tell you the story of my dad's father, my grandfather, Vernon Lehman. And Vernon was an incredible man who lived joyfully as he endured many hardships 
ask God for his wisdom, and lived faithfully to Jesus until his death in 2005 at the age of 88. But I just want to tell you a little bit of his story today because it so illustrates this whole idea of wholehearted devotion. So Vernon was one of eight kids um, born to a very poor family in Roanoke, Illinois, and his family were um, sharecroppers. And he had this dream. He wanted to own his own farm. But this was an impossible dream because financially there was no money to, to buy his farm and there was no money to buy any equipment that he would need for his farm. So after he graduated high school, he was discouraged, but he had a, heart, a, a strong work ethic. And so he went to go work on a family's farm. And during the day he did farm work. And then in the evening, he got a second job at a pumpkin canning factory and worked there many nights. And it was about six months after graduation when he realized he needed hope in his life. It was going to be a hard life of work. And so he gave his life to Jesus at the age of 18. Now, this is an amazing goal. And some of you aren't yet 18, so you could do this. According to multiple sources, for over 70 years, no one ever heard him utter an angry word. He never complained. He never griped. He was never, I, literally, he was a, he was like, amazing. He was a kind, gentle man. Now, at the age of 23, he married my grandma, Viola, and the same could not be said about her and her mouth. But I like to say opposites attract. She was a lovely woman. Well, for their, for their wedding, Viola's dad gave them a little calf that they actually put in the trunk of their car, and they took that calf home, and that was the beginning of their meager dairy farm. And for the next, um, it was about, I think, seven to 10 years. There was some, some, a little bit of discrepancy in there, but for, for a season, they became sharecroppers. And what they, tenants, they, they would go and farm other people's land, and they would live on that land, and, and they, would try to, they were trying to save money for this dream of owning their own farm. Well, it was, you know, incredibly challenging times. This was the 1940s. The war was going on. There was a lot of tension and drama, and, and the means were, were meager. They end up having four sons, and there's a lot of mouths to feed. And yet this entire time, Vernon never gets angry, is always joyful, is, is famously known for saying, the Lord will provide. And he meets every challenge with joy and endurance. Well, one season, um, they were farming, and there was an incredible crop, and their portion was $20,000 worth of grain, which in today's standards, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars, I think over $200,000. This was a large sum of money in, in that time. And they stored it in a metal grain bin very carefully until the time came for it to be sold. And they were so excited. They were like, this is it. This is what, we're going to get the land. This is amazing provision. Well, when they went to go sell the grain, water had leaked into the grain bin and the entire crop was lost. They were devastated. And the dream of owning their own land died in that moment. And Vernon took that challenge joyfully with endurance and he ended up needing to get a second job at the Caterpillar plant to, to pay the bills at night, but he continued to work. Well, in the late 1940s, they end up getting a new job working for a widow. Again, they're sharecroppers. And this widow was delightful. I say that. <laughs> she was extremely stubborn. She was demanding. 
they lived in a tiny house on the corner of the property, and she lived in this huge mansion all alone by herself. I mean, it was, it was hard. And she had all these rules, and yet my grandfather did this job joyfully, and my grandmother could not understand it. She was like, Vernon, let's leave. This is too hard. This is unbelievable. We, we, we're not going to do that. And Vernon would just say, yes, we are. And very patiently and very joyfully, he served this woman for 20 years. My grandma begged him over and over, let's go. The boys, how are we going to pay for things? You know, the boys need things, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in 1969, she had a brief illness and died. And when they read her will, she left everything to my grandfather. Overnight, he became a humble but proud owner of prime Illinois farmland. And what I love about this story is not so much that it has a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. That's amazing. But we all know that not all trouble in our life is going to have a happy ending. What I love about this story is that Vernon lived his life in wholehearted devotion to Jesus. He didn't let the trouble of his life keep him from a place of loving Jesus, of serving others, of walking patiently. And I think this is actually a lesson to each of us today that we are invited into wholehearted devotion despite the circumstances in our life, even despite our own choices. You see, Vernon never stepped foot in this place, but his fingerprints are all over it because Vernon's devotion shaped my dad. And my dad planted this church, and that leads us right now to this moment where you are here worshiping together with other people. You see, Vernon's devotion, it didn't stop with him. Our devotion is actually unto the world. When we partner with Jesus, we can change the world with him. And it starts with this, embracing our trials with joy, allowing our endurance to grow, and asking God for his wisdom, because he will be faithful to give us what we need and to grow us in wholeheartedness. I'm gonna pray. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Father, for the truth that you are a God of wisdom, that you are a God that is worthy of our devotion. And so right now, God, as we turn our attention towards worship and towards spending time with you in this way, we just say, come Holy Spirit. Come and show us, God, where we've been inconsistent. Show us, God, where you wanna bring wholeness into our lives. And we just say, you are welcome here in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we're gonna do one of my favorite things. We're gonna worship Jesus. We're gonna pour out our devotion to him. So would you guys stand? And after we do a little bit of worship, I'll come back up and we'll do some ministry time.